0: listening to sci-fi tv rewatch episode 440 my name's dave i'm joined as always by my co-host Dwayne. as we continue our journey with season one of the fox series fringe and before i forget i want to wish you and jody and your four beautiful children a merry christmas and enjoy your holiday you got one more day to work right
1: yep one more day at work yeah absolutely then it's it's holiday time so yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, um, yeah. you too. You and Mary. Absolutely. Merry Christmas, man. Oh, thanks. Thanks. So, uh, you know, whether you
0: celebrate Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, you know, we we wish you the, the best and, you know, relax, watch some genre TV and, and sit back and listen to the podcast.
1: There you go. So, Sounds like a solid way to spend the time. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, you know, w- we certainly are not sponsored by anybody, but dude... I just got to throw this out there. Okay. I ordered a guitar pedal and this week, and it was delivered yesterday around 3 p.m. Okay. uh, You know, this is not my first rodeo. So yeah, I get it, plug it in and you know, it's, it's squealing and it's the, okay. And you know, it's supposed to be a simple pedal. I've used these before. Anyway, online can't find anything. Finally, like, okay, fine. I'll call the company I bought it from, guy gets on there, you know, I'm, yeah, I tried that, tried that. And he's like, okay, fine. It sounds like you tried everything. He said, we'll send you out one. Dude, I got it at 10 o'clock this morning. <laughs> I called them yeah. at three yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. This online retailer is called Sweetwater. If you're a musician and you're looking for gear, I have no affiliation with them, but Dude. I don't think you can ask for better customer service If, than if you that.
1: give great customer service, you deserve to get a plug every now and then. So. Yeah, especially yeah. from
0: Sci-Fi TV Rewatch.
1: <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> Their number's going to go through the roof now, no, man. I'm like telling you. Really. they're going to be like, what the hell? Why, yeah. why all these orders all of a sudden? My God. So, yeah.
0: What free guitar can we send you? Um, <laughs> all right, anyway, uh, tip of the week or what you're watching. Why don't you go first again this week?
1: Okay, well, uh, I finished uh, the last maybe season of Lost in Space, uh, season three, and it was it was really good. I don't know compared to the other two, how they like it. I don't know. It's tough. It's you know the last season's always tough. You know you have a story arc to try. I think they even had less episodes than they had before. There's only I was surprised that there were only I think there's only eight episodes. I'm pretty sure there were 10 before. I might be wrong. But anyway, but the, the last episode, again, like, as as you're watching, it, you're like, I don't, I don't know. They're going to wrap this up, man. Like, how are they going to finish off this season before this thing is done, you know? But um, they did. I, th- I think they brought it to a very satisfying conclusion. Totally left the door open if they want to revisit the Robinson family at some point. But probably just said, we put this family through enough and uh you know we can't we've run out of deadly danger for them in the universe, so we're just gonna give them a break and maybe in the future when when the kids are a little older they'll uh we'll have uh, you know a new lost in space but uh so yeah it was it was it was uh it was great Again, i you know I talked much about it last week. I also started uh get back probably watched about an hour or so of, of the first one so Um, You know, while, I don't know. I don't know. You know, like, I love the Beatles. And, you know, at first watching these four guys work, it was just, like, blowing my mind. But now it's just, like, George Harrison and Paul McCartney bitching each other. I'm just like, yeah, I don't know, man. (laughs) Well, you know,
0: and I think as a musician, I, I really get into their creative process. But I can also see that it might not appeal to everybody and and i mean even for me there were points at which it it began to drag a little bit but uh it it really does give you some insight into the the group at the time where really all we had to go on was the original movie let it be which looked like the group was just in the midst of a
1: train wreck which i I mean they were but it maybe wasn't as bad as that you know, and that's actually the funny thing about watching this is like, you know, like the, the narrative has always been like John Lennon and Yoko Ono just effed everything up and stepped in, you know, and everything. And, and with the surpri- as far as I've watched so far, what the surprising thing is how passive John Lennon has been. And he's just kind of like hanging back and playing, and just kind of going with the flow. And it's it's really George Harrison who's kind of bristling uh, and, and chafing against uh, Paul McCartney's leadership or whatever. So um, you know, in that way, it has you know, cha- and you know, even though. Yoko Ono is, you know, for a lot of it's just sitting next to him, but she's not saying anything. You know, it's like we don't see her as like this detrimental influence. She's just hanging out, listening to him play. As as there are other people, there, there's other. They have hangers on that are just hanging out and and watching him. So she's no more different than like uh, I think George Harrison's like one of his swami religious buddies or whatever is there. Stuff like that is pretty cool. And as you said, the creative process, like wow. You know, like you hear these songs that are like classics and in their infancy and they're just kind of messing around and you hear them kick out a lick from a, you know, one of their great songs and, you, and they're just like messing around and just, you hear that just like, oh my God, you know, it's just, so it's in that respect, I agree with you a hundred percent. Like it is, these guys were freaking geniuses, man. Like be, like, how did these four guys well, at least three of them uh, ringo i love you but come on man you were yeah. along for the ride you know it but you know like how did these guys find each other you know these three certifiable musical geniuses they ended up as kids hooking up with one another and forming a group it's just almost incomprehensible all right well i am
0: watching another crime drama this is a british one i believe it was on bbc although i think it pbs i don't know anyway it's called grantchester and it follows this anglican priest who hooks up with uh this police inspector who my wife i think accurately refers to as the british Columbo, and they right, saw like hooks
1: up right like, yeah, mean, yeah
0: well like no 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 in, in fact the uh you know the the priest uh he's not a catholic priest so he's an anglican priest so that you know he could marry and you know he we see he's really troubled from the war you know he drinks excessively he enjoys the company of women and you know you got the you know the the woman that's kind of the caretaker of of the vicarage is trying to get him married to somebody and and you know all the women love him because he's real attractive but it's really good the stories are really good They, they solve the crime at the end of each episode but there is a you know, an overarching uh, storyline as well. The other thing, though, that will fall under the tip of the week, is it will already have dropped by the time you guys listen to this podcast. But Matrix Resurrections is going to drop on HBO Max and in theaters on December 22nd. So I'm certainly psyched to see that. I oh, think it's going to be an
1: HBO max too. Yeah. So I got tickets to see it, man. It's like, what the hell am I doing that for?
0: So I think I need to uh, maybe do a rewatch, but there's another that uh, uh, talking to Michael today, I, I forgot about this. It's uh, a series based on the 2014 novel by Emily St. John Mandel, although it's probably pronounced Emily St. John Mandel. Called Station Eleven, which is a post-apocalyptic story that i I read the novel a couple years ago. It was really good. Uh, They dropped the first three episodes a few days ago, and then I guess it's going to go once a week. And that's also on HBO Max. So I'm going to check back, uh, check on that, and then report back. So Station Eleven, Matrix Resurrections, and yeah, if you're into the, you know, crime dramas, Grantchester's pretty darn good.
1: Yeah, and then you can you know make sure your PBS subscription is current. And- well,
0: yeah, no. In fact, we're not going to probably get, to get see
1: like the- a link of Oldsmobile too. And- yeah,
0: well, we're not going to be able to see the final season because apparently uh, we're watching it on Amazon, and Amazon doesn't get the season until it's aired on all the PBS channels, I guess everywhere. So apparently, the most current season, which was you know early twenty twenty one, isn't available yet, but.
1: But like you probably stream it through PBS, right?
0: Yeah, well, I don't have a PBS account, and, and you know. No, I, don't I have mean,
1: the, you probably do, though, right? I mean, it's probably part of, like, your basic package.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I get it on DirecTV, but I don't, you know, I've missed all the episodes, and, and they're on demand is, they demand money from you traditionally, ah. so...
1: Anyway, uh, public, public television up to a point, right?
0: Yeah. So uh, let's get to Fringe. Episode two of season one, the same old story written by Jeff Pinkner and J.J. Abrams and Alex Kurtzman and Roberta Orsi, directed by Paul Edwards. This one originally aired September 16th. No, it didn't air on September 16th, 2021. I don't know where I got that. It aired in
1: 2008.
0: Must be September 16th,
1: 2008. Yeah, I'm Um, I'm thinking not 2021. Yeah. The interesting
0: thing, though, I noted that this one brought in 13.27 million viewers, which was the most of the series at all. So as we said last week, there was a lot of buzz surrounding the pilot, which, you know, brought in big numbers as well but uh the second episode and usually there's a huge drop off with with shows on the second episode but not so here
1: anyway I for, a slight drop off because the first one was just so freaking good but yeah not not much one
0: yeah but i mean in terms of viewers i think the first oh, one brought in oh, like oh, 10 yeah. million and then this one went up to 13 so okay. anyway um any initial thoughts uh I, I'm assuming you well, like this episode. What I just
1: said, yeah, yeah, oh, oh, I liked it a lot. Absolutely. Was it as good as the pilot? Nah, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, that's so subjective, you know. Like, I'm not going to really go there, but you know, I, I we we get more insight into pretty much all of our characters, while at the same time, you know, putting forth a a, a story that you know was pretty gripping. I guess my only beef with this one was i think the end you know like the the main conflict was over but the episode wasn't over and sometimes that's like you know when you're kind of like naturally expecting the end credits and they don't and there's more stuff and you're like what what's going you know so i'm gonna have to hold off on whether that was how i really feel about because we do again get some insights uh into the characters uh in those you know kind of final scenes there do i really need to see peter see row row your boat to walter i well, mean it was it was nice yeah but, but see I, I i guess that developing relationship between
0: peter and walter i think is one of the highlights of this episode and, and there are sure. a lot of highlights because you know they haven't been together for 17 years and, and we certainly get the sense that even before Walter went away, they didn't have a very strong relationship. So they've got to rebuild almost from scratch. And it's almost because of Peter's uh, really opinion of his father when he this all started, it's almost as if we're not starting from scratch, we're starting from less than scratch. Yeah. So I it's thought like it was negative. really touching when he does sing that, although you could certainly argue that he – had just had enough. He wanted to go to sleep. This was his best bet to catch some shut eye. Fine, I'll bite the bullet and I'll sing to my dad.
1: And yeah, but yeah, but still, like, well, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm interrupting you. My bad. Go ahead. No, no,
0: I was just <laughs> gonna say you, you might be right to say that.
1: No, well, I I I just think like I agree absolutely that to 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 see that um, Peter is kind of warming to it now. Yeah, I, I think it doesn't really matter whether he does it. You know, because I think the 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 really jaded, angry Peter would still not sing to his dad, no matter what. Would rather lose sleep than sing to his dad because he's just so pissed at him. So, the, just the fact that he does that, yeah, I think that is touching and does show a lot. I just think they kind of telegraph that one. Like it's almost like when in the beginning of the episode, when Walter says how he could only sleep when you know because he heard this guy singing "Row, row, row your boat." You're almost like. All right. Well, Peter's definitely gonna have to sing "Row, Row, Row Your Boat" before the end of this episode, you know. So, I don't, you know, I don't know what else how they could have done it better, but uh, yeah, I just, I, I guess part of it is just, it's, you know, it just you, you you see it coming from a mile away, you know.
0: Well, the other thing, though, I think it's also Peter recognizing what a brilliant man his father was and can be again. The only problem is he's still got to face that statement he made last week. So you're telling me my father's Dr. Frankenstein. And obviously there's a lot of truth to that based on what we've been presented these first two episodes. But I just want to go back to what you were saying a couple minutes ago about the ending. Are you talking about the scene which is in that that hospital room and we see the three guys in the three different beds?
1: No, I, I just, I'm just saying that there's probably, I didn't time it, but, you know, after, you know, quote unquote, catch Christopher, there's probably still like seven to 10 minutes of episode left. Oh, know? okay. I got you. Right. So um, it's just like, you get this feeling that, okay, the episode's over, but then they, they just kind of like, there's just other stuff at the end that, again, I really... I mean, I, I, I'm. It's like I'm just fishing for something, that like you say. So, I, I'm. It's just not me gushing over the episode the entire time. So here's my here's my one not awesome thing that happened. Now let's cut to all the bazillion awesome things that they did that I can talk okay. about.
0: All right. Well, I understand, and and I guess for me, looking at at the story of this episode because it's really mainly about tracking down the pituitary killer which is apparently a continuation of walter's work and then a little bit that we we see about nina sharp and massive dynamic which we can talk about in a second but i i think for me you know now two episodes in is this going to be like the x files which had its you know overarching storylines that that revolve around alien abduction alien invasion that sort of thing And then the standalone monster of the week stories, which didn't usually tie in in any way to that alien uh, uh, arc. So here we've been presented with this idea of the pattern. And to this point, the crimes of the week, if you want to look at them that way, do seem to tie into that. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out um and and like what you're saying is they they solve it sort of and and uh then as you said there's seven or eight more minutes of the of the storyline
1: well before before we go on just i'm going to comment on on what you just said because i think the way that they have set the show up it's almost perfect because they can do both right with this quote-unquote pattern you know basically every monster of the week is going to fit in allegedly with this pattern right so they can do a issue monster prime of the week and still they have that overarching that that arc of the pattern that they're trying to figure out what it is you know so they kind of get a little bit of the best of both worlds there so all right well why don't we talk
0: a little bit about nina sharp and massive dynamic because we don't see a lot of nina but it it really i think sets a some important groundwork as we move forward in this, this story. And, you know, Fred mentions this, this kind of shadowy committee that meets at the beginning, uh, toward the beginning of the episode. And we're wondering, okay, it seems to be governmental figures, but why is Nina Sharp there representing massive dynamic? And, And of course we know the answer to that. So is this some sort of a secret cabal that is, you know, running things internationally, uh, you know, <laughs> it's not yeah, going to surprise it us.
1: seems like it. There, there's a, a Simpsons episode where they have, like, the Illuminati, I guess, and they sing this song, you know, who controls the British crown, who keeps the metric system down, we do, you know. <laughs> nice. um, I got totally got that vibe from, from this. I almost was hoping that they'd break out. I knew they weren't going to sing this song, but if they had... I would have been totally acceptant of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the most interesting thing that comes out of this part of the episode you know, right away Broyles wants to introduce his team to the committee and of course the the, Peter Walter and, and Olivia and Nina right away talks about issues she has with all three members. I can't believe you're giving sensitive information to a guy that was in St. Clair's and then this other guy who's cutting all these shady deals and she gets in a few digs about Olivia and John's relationship when Olivia goes to ask her for the piece of equipment that of course only Massive Dynamic has and Nina gives it to her and then when she returns it at the end offers her a job so right now I think we get the sense that Nina really sees Olivia as someone important, someone that she clearly wants on her side. How much she's willing to read Olivia in is not clear, and and again, we don't know what kind of relationship uh, Nina and Broyles really have. Uh, I right. mean, is Nina free to you know bring Olivia in? against Broyles wishes. So all that stuff is fascinating at this point. Right. For sure. Well,
1: and it's, it's complex because, you know, we obviously trust Philip Royals. I mean, we don't get off to a great start with him, but we, you know, totally see him as a trustworthy, honorable leader or whatever. Our natural inclinations would be to distrust the big corporation, you know, because, you know, from, the cliche is the big corporation just out to make tons of money and they don't care about human beings and everything like that. So to see Broyles and Nina collaborating so closely, you know, we have questions about that, right? Another thing is that this isn't Broyles first team. This is his new team. So there was a team before that clearly was unsuccessful. And I can't remember if, we ever find out anything about that that original team in you know episodes down the road but you know that, that's something i don't recall at all and when you know, he just kind of they they just kind of mentioned it briefly when he's meeting with that group you know that that this isn't his first team so you know obviously that begs the question of what happened to the original team
0: yeah, and I'm not sure I'm quite ready to trust Broyles a hundred percent at this point. And, and when Olivia's waiting to meet with Nina, she's she's kind of daydreaming about what John said to her about Broyles putting her on the team in the first place and sending her out to you know the storage unit. So I think there still are some questions. But once she meets with Nina, she tells Olivia that working with Massive Dynamic would speed your investigation into the pattern among other things and i think we really need to hone in on that you know phrase among other things yeah what those are we don't know at this point but is it something other than the pattern because the pattern seems to be pretty comprehensive in weird things happening around the world right
1: but yeah but that- well, there's there's just all kinds of of things here that again like I you know probably the first time I saw this episode didn't even catch on to but you know obviously there's you know questions about Peter's past that you know Walter brings up later um, you know the the questioning of Olivia and you know the revelation um, by Agent Scott in the previous episode that Broyles picked her you know leads us to believe that there's you know you know Olivia there's some reason for her being there it's not just random that that she's on this team so you know and that's part of like the you know, the beauty of of the show really is you know it answers some questions but really you know not unlike dark I'm not comparing it to dark but I'm just thinking that you know like I think dark was another show that had a really good balance of answering some stuff but then also continually posing questions or bringing new questions up so we're always you know we're never at the point where we know what's going on 100% we're always kind of asking ourselves what's going on
0: yeah and and then one of the i think best parts of this whole um, interaction is when she goes back for her debrief with Broyles who wants to know you know what Nina said to you and and Olivia says oh she offered me a job and what'd you say? I told her you are going to give me a raise.
1: Nice. Classic. Well played. Yeah, well yeah played. exactly. Yeah. Um, well, the, the, the relationship between Olivia and Broyles, I think that's kind of uh, wild. How when she does have that that daydream when she dozes off, um, that Broyles is kind of the representation of her, you know, her like anxieties and concerns, and you know that part of her that questions the things that are going on around her is represented by broil so i just thought that was that was really cool how they did that and how they kind of you know further established their relationship there
0: yeah well why don't we take a look at the actual crime that the team is tracking down which is of course the pituitary killer and 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 this is a scene we've seen before it does have an x-file-ish feel to it and and you know i've said before as have you this has a twilight zone feel this has an x and we certainly don't mean that as any sort of a negative i i I think if if anything else it's just using what tools you have in your toolbox and and you know they, they certainly make their own mark but guy picking up a girl in um you know some sort of a club and and of course this is the aftermath they're in a cheap motel it's pretty clear they've already had sex he goes in the bathroom he's got this ominous medical toolkit which we know is not going to bode well for this young woman
1: no but, but we do uh, we things weren't going to bode well at the right, at the start of this thing you know but again start once again the very first scene is like this post-coital hotel room scene it's like is this going to be a thing like are you start every single episode with a couple of people who just had sex in some hotel room you're right
0: right now here You know, it certainly doesn't turn out the way we think it's going to turn out. I'm not sure it turns out the way he thinks it's going to turn out, right? He's got this toolkit that it appears he's going to perform some sort of surgery on her. And, of course, we learn he's been extracting pituitary glands from his victims, apparently, while they're still alive. I I guess that makes it better for his purposes. And, And, of course, we eventually learn why he's doing it. But she gets to the hospital, and then we start seeing that thing moving within her abdomen. And again, right. we've seen this before. Sure. So, whether it's like some snake that ends up extracting itself from her mouth or whatever, but that's not what happens here at all. He takes her to a hospital because he's just freaked out, and it, it, because it's not what he expected. Does he make that connection, do you think, that, oh, we had sex? I got her pregnant, and the the child began developing immediately. I don't think he makes that connection at all. I
1: think he does. Do like, you? Especially with the 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 speed at which uh, Doctor Penrose—that's uh, like the first thing he says to him. You know, like ah, oh, you got her pregnant, didn't you? Well,
0: oh, yeah, um, but that's after the fact. I'm talking about when he, you know, when they're at the motel and he he. Yeah, that, that's why I just think
1: that this is something that that oh, okay. they thought could happen like they they realize that this if he has sex with women that that this is a potential potential outcome of that you know and why is he like you know you have sex with a new killer like come on man like
0: yeah. i don't know <laughs> well we we get the scene in the hospital and, and you know the doctors and the nurses are, are are standing around and and they're not exactly sure what's going on they just see this woman that's nine months pregnant ready to deliver they're going to take the baby out and then of course we, we see their horrified looks and again i go back to that twilight zone episode eye of the beholder when, uh, you know, the, you know, the, they're all horrified. Yeah. And and we don't really see what they see. So, so again, and and that's part of the brilliance I think of this scene is that we're, it's left to our imaginations to figure out what it is they see. Now, granted, we eventually see, you know, the dead grandpa, but,
1: but I feel like with the, the, nurse or the doctor's reaction that horrified scream that it was going to be something monstrous that day. but it was just like you know like a kid who was older than he should be when they pulled him out of his mother's womb so really you gotta scream like that for that oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, just like- now, were, were you at all
0: bothered by the fact that Olivia gets a call in the middle of the night from Broyles, get your team together and, you know, meet me at the hospital or whatever. And she goes to where the bishops are staying. Peter answers the door. I don't know. Was he wearing pajama bottoms or something? And he's like, let me get dressed. I think he closes the door on her, right? And she's left out in the hall.
1: Or, I, don't, well, I don't think so. Maybe, she comes but they in. just have a hotel room. He's got to get dressed. So, yeah, you know, like, okay. Well, okay I mean, she Though we could say that she stripped down in front of him. So, yeah, but, okay. There you go. There you, know, you go. But like anyways. fair is fair, right? Right.
0: But, you know, once they get there, and, and Broyles is very impressed with how quickly she got her team together. And at this point, any. Uh, you know, positive feedback from Broyles toward Olivia is something to, you know, really be considered and to be looked at. But we hear it said that the pattern appears to be a coordinated series of scientific experiments. So then, of course, you know, who's conducting them? Is there one person in charge? And we don't I don't even think we really ask this question after two episodes Within the episode, I mean, as, as you know, podcasters, we're, we're going to raise that question. Or is it just a series of scientists around the globe that are conducting their own version of Dr. Frankenstein and, you know, reanimation really? or, or whatever?
1: Well, we get, we really get a sense that, from what Peter actually directly says, that a lot of this stuff is happening is because of Walter. Yes. And he lays that out there. And and that certainly comes on the heels
0: of what Dr. Penrose says. And of course, when Dr. Penrose says it, we don't realize his involvement yet, but no one in power should ever learn what he knows referring to Walter. And and again, it comes back to that, that theme that we've seen throughout the first two episodes about the responsibility of scientists and how far is too far. And, and of right. course, you know, the whole idea with artificial reality, uh, I'm sorry, artificial intelligence is something that, that we have been grasping with in science fiction for a long time. And it, we're getting close to that in real life, too. So, yeah.
1: you know, I, I, well, I think he, growing soldiers is probably too far.
0: Yeah, I, get, I mean when you when you look at it, yes. And, and, and certainly the whole idea of the super soldier being uh created by the military is something that
1: we've you know Well, Steve Rogers volunteered for that, so you know well, I mean, that's oh, okay, but oh. but you know, that's when you're cultivating, when you're creating from embryos to you know to there I mean they're they're people. They're going to be people, right? That right, they're going right. to be and uh, just be you know that you cause them to mature at a, an accelerated rate so you can make soldiers out of them. Well, you know, then you're not giving those people any agency at all in their lives. Right. Right. Like, well, it's what, very might brave want to be a ballerina or something. Well, right? it's a very brave new world ish,
0: except that here the, the growth is accelerated as you point out. And right. I, I guess that's part of the appeal to the military is that if we lose 10 soldiers here we can grow 10 more to replace them and you know it becomes i guess a zero-sum game
1: to a a certain extent well Um, you just think about like this 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 man this person who was born lived and died over the course of a half hour what was that half hour like it must have been absolute terror you know i mean this is it's not an animal. This was a human being. This is a Homo sapien that you know for a half hour lived in probably. It sounds like extreme pain um, as as the aging process occurred, but also just completely you know being unable to grasp like what was going on, and then he died, and it's just that's horrific. You know, it's absolutely horrific. No, uh, as no in addition to the, the the poor woman who you know gave birth to him, who was. It was killed in in childbirth, you know. Like, well, but not. And let's not forget how many
0: women that he's already killed extracted their pituitary glands, because at the end of the day, this is all about him slowing down his own growth, right? You know, that's right. why he needs their pituitary glands. So, so you know, these women are are just the latest in. Again, we don't even know how long this has been going on. But you know, we, we talked about Peter and Walter's relationship developing. I mean, we also see Olivia and Peter's. And, and of course, Peter has to come around to being a, a, an active member of the team. You know, he says, I didn't sign up for this. I signed up to be a temporary babysitter. But it doesn't take long for him to you know, really get involved in what's going on. And, and I think to a large extent... It's his intellectual curiosity. We know how brilliant he is in his own right. And I think it becomes clear early on that he really can be a valued and important member of this team. And again, it even takes me to that one scene where they're going to the warehouse and she pulls out her gun, I think, and she's going, gets out of the car, stay here that's not going to happen.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and yeah. and and we've seen it in reverse so many times as you pointed out last week that that Olivia's character I, you know it, it's really taking on a role that we've seen men play for ever.
1: Yeah, like yeah. she pulls like the gun off her ankle and hands it to Peter like Right. How cool yeah. is that? Right. I mean, right. I'm not like she said guns but that right. was pretty cool.
0: And I think she said her safety's off or something but but yeah, I think yeah. we get the idea Peter's you know handled a gun or two in his time
1: sure but one one thing about about peter is like i i'm totally with him when he says listen i'm not signing my rights away right like yeah he's doing this because they need walter right and they need him so there's he has no you know like what are you gonna do if if i don't sign this you kick me off the team kick me off the team Right. By all means. I'm half don't want to be here anyway. I'm here out of guilt over what my dad did. Not even what I did. So no, I am not signing anything that, that where I'm have to give up my, my rights uh as a human being, uh so I can help you out. Like no way.
0: Right. Now we don't know the level to which this NDA actually goes and and so maybe they will rewrite it to you know, arrive at some sort of compromise to get Peter on the team. But the other thing that, you know, we see in this is that Walter has almost anticipated this point in time, whether he thought it would take 17 years is probably not true. Maybe he thought it would be more than 17, but Peter comes back to the lab. Walter's milking Gene. And oh, by the way, uh, the DNA testing of the man baby reveals the woman was impregnated by a man who was a subject of one of my experiments about 30 years ago in this very lab. And of course, it takes us back to that statement that you brought up that that Peter acknowledges that Walter's responsible for a lot of this stuff. How much it's just scratching the surface. And, And when he tells him that, oh, I remember where it is, where what is my car and that but that's not the important thing. It's that he's got all of these files, right?
1: right. All the files that are there, and, there, and right. his
0: work. So, and and I think he even alludes to the fact that yeah, I've got things hidden in other places. I just don't remember where. Don't yet. remember
1: where. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, well, that's you know, I mean, that was. great I mean, like Walter is obviously he's the the most fascinating character in here, especially early on. Like he's going to kind of. I think he kind mellows out later, and he's still like eccentric but these wild swings from like dotty grandpa who broil says you know he's like i need a lab and broil is like um we got your lab at harvard you remember that right and he's like no but that's fantastic news you know like yeah you know like that he completely forgot about his lab that they got he forgot where his car is but then remembered it he's got the 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 swing where he tears into olivia because she's telling him they need to go while he's doing something to the corpse, you know, and then, you know, then when like, well, what I thought one of the most telling things is, you know, Peter is scrambling to save this girl's life to, you know, try and get her heart start. And Walter is still like kind of snacking and very, you know, clinically talking to Peter. Like he is not emotionally involved that another human being's life is on the line here. It's like, he could really, could care less it's a science problem to him uh not any kind of real human issue so i mean there's just so many things we see about walter he's just such an incredibly complex character that we could probably just talk about him the whole time
0: well we can't forget that he spent the last 17 years in saint Clair's as a result of this emotional breakdown after the death of one of his lab technicians so it's almost as if he has to relearn how to be around people and how to socially function. And of course, we've seen enough scientists that haven't spent any time in in this kind of facility, and, and they still have trouble
1: functioning. Yeah. But, well, but it, I, it seems like from from Peter's. Comments. It seems like Walter maybe wasn't that great at it before either. You know. Yes,
0: correct. Now, I, I, I guess what we'll have to watch is how quickly, if at all, Walter regains whatever social graces uh, that he possessed in the past, and you know whether being around his son and Olivia and the work will you know maybe maybe spur him to you know maybe even hit some areas of his own development that he never did before so as you said he he is so fascinating on on so many levels but as he tells peter you know as you explained a few minutes ago that he was responsible for this experiment to grow soldiers for the military so you know peter had his eyes open last week about what his father was actually working on, and it wasn't at all what Peter had been told and and what he had thought. So, you know, again, Peter's got a lot of accepting to do as well. But, But again, Walter posits that the killer is a product of his research. Peter realizes they're making progress. Olivia storms out frustrated, likely because the victims in this are all female, and Walter just turns to Peter, I thought you had a way with women. <laughs> and again just one of those classic Walter lines sure. that will only get better as we yeah. as we move on. Yeah, well um, we
1: don't want Walter to get too normal, right? Because sure. that's like, that those idiosyncrasies really are, are right, you know, the the greatest part about it. But um you know, with with Olivia you know, storming out. I mean, obviously, not only is it because the the victims are female, but because she feels this, like this. There's so many, especially Peter and Olivia, really burdened almost with this sense of responsibility. Peter feels responsible for things. Like I said, he didn't even do. It's his dad's deal, but Peter feels responsible for trying to to rectify those wrongs. Olivia is now burdened by the shadow of her old partner. As uh, she says, I have to go through all the old cases and go over them again because you know what did I miss? Did he was he pulling some stuff back then? You know, and and one of those cases is this. You know, they never caught this guy, and he's still killing uh, young women. So you know, she feels a strong sense of responsibility for what's going on.
0: Yeah, and I feel like we've seen this idea before in science fiction but i may in fact be remembering this episode of fringe the idea of learning what the dead man saw as he died in other words let's see who killed him right but i may be misremembering and what i'm remembering is this episode of fringe but regardless that's what walter wants to try to do and it's almost as if peter's seen enough in this short amount of time to not walter you're crazy you can't do that and as we said last time peter's not only there because he speaks walter but because he speaks science and he's able to i don't want to say simplify it for olivia but to a certain extent yes i mean she's brilliant in her own right but she doesn't have a science background so you know the the theoretical ideas that walter wants to explore require peter to translate and and of course we get this great sequence of events where you know they they see the image uh they figure out where it is i forget who recognizes it where whether it's astrid or astrid astrid recognizes the bridge and and then as fred points out in his feedback it's brilliant the way they they uh, the attention to detail that they show it upside down because that's the way your eye really sees it. And then your brain uh, flips it so that it appears right side up. Right, And, and then Can you, you imagine know, the, if
1: that didn't happen. Yeah. How weird yeah. would that be, man? Yeah. So, but, uh, um, you know, you just mentioned one thing like about, you know, Walter and like the, the, this, I, I think he says it at least once, We maybe it at least two or three times It's the phrase highly theoretical, Right. Like for Walter, that's almost like that's how he, he's able to justify these things. It was just highly theoretical, you know, but unfortunately, these quote unquote highly theoretical things are somehow finding their manifestation in the actual world, but you know like I said, while Peter feels that sense of responsibility for it, I don't it doesn't really seem like Walter does so much, you know, yeah, so i I, I guess after the chase of
0: penrose and his son you know we learn that somebody paid his father to do the experiment so of course the question is who and then i think it's a natural inclination to go back oh i wonder if it's anybody in that little cabal we saw at the beginning that they claim they're trying to catch these people and stop them but you know maybe that's part of their cover so you we, we certainly have to consider that but the other thing is that cryptic scene when Walter asks Olivia about what she's learned about Peter's medical history in the file. And she's like, there's nothing but his birthday. Well, I was going to ask you to keep it between us, but there's no need. Now, of course, we'll address that in the uh, spoiler zone. Right, but But, but also, like,
1: you're Olivia. It's like, dude, what? (laughs) (laughs) Like, how do you say that and just, like, kind of drop it? Like, oh, you know. I saw you. I I know you saw this stuff. I hope you just keep it to yourself. And then she's like, "What stuff?" He's like, "Ah, nothing." Yeah, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> no, um, come on, Walter. Right,
0: and and then we get that final shot in the hospital room. Three beds, each appears to be a clone of Penrose's son, unless I'm. Uh,
1: That's what I thought too, but I didn't freeze it and look at it. So, okay. so That's, it, I, I think I probably just assumed that that there's yeah, more. So. Christophers out there.
0: All right. And if nothing else, we know Penrose is out there still conducting his experiments. So that this, this case, this aspect of the pattern has not been solved that, that at best we can just say that the team is more aware of what's going on out there and who is involved.
1: So um, anything else you want to bring up? Well, just one thing like, you know, we didn't mention a little bit, but massive dynamic. I mean, What a perfect name for this company! They have, they control armies, Dave. Yeah, armies. (laughs) Sure. So this is a company that's beyond a company, like too big to fail, right? Massive dynamic. Yeah. So, um, like I said, our natural distrust. Yeah, we we have a natural distrust for big corporations, but I, I would say faceless, but not faceless, because this corporation does have a face for us, right? But it's just Nina. I don't, I don't know. We don't know, really know how much we can really trust Nina. Yeah. Well, the, you know, and the one thing that, that we
0: didn't mention, you know, I, I mentioned her digs about Olivia and John Scott. And, and then, of course, we know, well, wait a minute. She's got John Scott's body. So, <laughs> you know, right. there is that. Anyway, uh, anything else?
1: Don't think, well, I, I just, I, I love how when Peter's trying to save that girl, Walter's first question is Do you have any cocaine?
0: yeah right <laughs> like no Walter I don't have any cocaine
1: <laughs> he's like ah well too bad um you know because that would be the perfect thing so I mean that's just that's that that is so like that's like probably the most Walter line in this whole episode Yep. yeah you know, I think every episode we have to try to find the most Walter line this week I give it to do you have any cocaine
0: all right well why don't we move on to Fred's feedback and we will be right back
2: Hello Dave and Wayne and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewards. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Fringe, Season 1, Episode 2. Coming back to last week's podcast, thank you very much Wayne that you answered my question about the Dutch expression, stick behind the door. Well, you you wanted to hear it in Dutch, and stok achter de deur. And that actually means like a threat a threat of negative consequences if you cannot comply with something. So it's more like, if you won't comply, I will get the stick and hit you. But it's usually more used in a positive way, namely in the sense of an extra motivation to achieve something. And in this sense, you doing fringe was my stick behind the door to really start watching this because it was a very long time already on my watch list. So thank you for that and giving me a stick behind the door and talking about threats. Also, thank you very much for explaining the expression or the phrase that Olivia said to Peter. Call me one more time, sweetheart, and I really like that. And I thought, huh, she really likes that. But that is also in the sense of a threat, which meant, as Wayne said, You frickin' say that once again and I will punch you in the face or something like that. You called it a threatening challenge. Okay, enough about the last episode, going into episode two. I made a remark in my previous audio feedback about episode one, that a series is a bit far-fetched for me or crazy, and Wayne responded to that with... Crazy or uh, far fetched is basically what fringe is going to be all about so i mean get used to it well the series got me hooked so i will watch on well you're doing the podcast so i will watch on anyhow but get used to the far fetchedness. um i'm not there yet if you see in this episode the accelerated aging of course we saw that in many many other movies and shows but this is a bit very fast getting the last impression or the last view of a retina is also very crazy and i think it's not even the last and that's a nitpick image she saw because she looked at the bridge but then afterwards she looked this christopher right in his face so that was actually the last she saw What is this group Philip Boyles talks to in the beginning of the episode, including Nina Sharp of Massive Dynamic, who has quite something to say there. Doesn't really look like a governmental group, especially with that Nina there. But if you see behind Philip, there is a crest, which says Pro Patria et Gloria. And I looked that up. And that's actually the motto of the 107th Infantry Regiment, or the 7th Militia. And if you see in this crest, you see 7th. And that was actually a regiment in New York, which had quite some elite officers and soldiers in it, and was therefore also known as the Silk Stockings Regiment, This all is quite reminiscent of some elite group or something like that. This uh, 107th Regiment was actually disestablished in 1993. So what is this room? Is this a remnant? Or... Nah, whatever. I really love the scene where Walter suddenly remembers where he parked his car and they go to the car... And he has all kinds of papers and stuff in there and also a jar with the human hand in it. And Peter just asks, friend of yours? Really, really good humor. When Olivia and Peter go to Boston College and meet Penrose, Penrose says something very ominous. Like, no one in power should ever learn what he knows. Referring to Walter, of course. Of course, everybody wonders what it is, and I really wonder how long it will take until we know something about it. How many episodes? Of course, you know, but I don't. And I know, Wayne, you're jealous, because I'm seeing this for the first time. But I estimate it will take some time. What is an anti nitpick and they did very well, is that the image of the bridge on the retina is Upside down, because everything is projected on your retina indeed upside down and your brain turns it around. So they got something quite right there. Big question of course, what is that image at the end? Two guys in a kind of incubator and in between them one in a bed. I made a screenshot of it and I have the idea they are clones or something like that because they look quite the same. Okay, we'll probably find out next episode. All the best, greetings, Fred from the Netherlands. P.S. Our country is full in lockdown again until the fourteenth of January because of the Omicron variant of COVID. O.G. Oh, O.G. Oh, it worked, Peter. See that? Worked.
0: right. Now, Fred goes back to last week's uh, episode and, you know, talking about, I believe it was you that basically is forewarning Fred that it's going to get pretty freaky here on Fringe. Um, And I guess I would say, Fred, uh, what about Star Trek Discovery? Yeah, it's kind of far fetched in its own right. And I think the thing about Fringe, though, is they make a lot of this theoretical
1: science as realistically possible, yeah, as possible. Well, I, I think here, here's here's my theory because Fred is a scientist, and so he actually knows the science. I don't have the slightest clue. So when I watch this episode, I'm like, oh yeah, that could happen. <laughs> Probably, absolutely can't. But I don't I don't question it as much as someone who actually knows what's going on would. But therefore, I'm able to enjoy Fringe probably more than someone who – an actual scientist would be able – who would just kind of like scoff at a lot of this stuff, yeah. I'd imagine. But
0: I think when you get down to it, uh, virtually all of the shows, <laughs> you'd have to say, are pretty far-fetched in in, in one oh, sure. regard or another. So right. um,
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Now, he uh, also points out you know, that he noticed that crest on the wall – that was a good catch. Yeah, very good catch. And, and and again, as Fred in his feedback explains what all of that means, um, we're still not really sure what to make of it. So that's clearly something we'll, we'll keep an eye on uh, as we keep going. Anything else about Fred's feedback?
1: Um I think well, like you know, he's talking about the this the stick and the door idiom that they have. Oh yeah, that was very. Um, cool. It sounds like we have one in English. Like we say, you can get the stick or you can get the carrot. You know, like you so know, you can either we can either entice you to do this or we can force you to do it. Right. So I think maybe that's kind of like the the humor in the show. Yeah, I love the humor in the show is, is great. That's going to be something that does not go away. I mean, that's that's going to be a, a, an endearing part of the show, um, throughout. So, and also I should mention that, um, I have actually been texting Fred to get some help here because, uh, my, my daughter's field hockey coach is, uh, from the Netherlands, but, and she was going to go home, but, uh, canceled her flight because of, as Fred says, how, um, everything's getting locked down over there. Uh, so we're going to have her over for uh, Christmas Eve dinner. So I was trying to ask Fred about some, uh, some Dutch, uh, meals. So, um actually by the time you all hear this i'll we'll already be serving dinner uh so but um you know if any of you have some good dutch uh recipes that uh you know you're holding on to uh feel free to email them to us and uh maybe in the future we'll, i'll be able to put them to use oh very cool very cool and
0: fred thank you for the feedback as always now we also heard from gail this week who sent in some feedback that got to me just after the deadline so i want to put it in the podcast wayne is no longer in the studio so the fact that he doesn't respond only means he wasn't here when i recorded her feedback and my responses to it hi dave and wayne just want to say thanks for picking fringe it's one of my all-time favorite genre shows The character of Walter Bishop is probably my favorite character of all time, and his relationship with Peter is the only one that has brought me to tears repeatedly on any show I've ever watched. The one thing I appreciate most about Fringe is how complex and layered it is. This applies to character, plot, and mythology. Everything is laid out for the viewer with no cheating if you know where to look. This starts right off the bat with the title of the episode, The Same Old Story. The layers to this are insane. What story exactly are we watching here? Boy meets girl. Boy has sex with girl. Boy kills girl. Nope. Boy meets girl. Boy has sex with girl. Boy impregnates girl with mutant baby. Nope. Boy meets girl. Boy skips the sex. Boy chops out a fancy portion of the girl's brain. Nope, but ooh. Boy meets girl. Boy skips the sex. Boy chops out fancy portion of girl's brain with father's help so he doesn't die. It's a testament to this show that this story is close, but still no banana. The story we're actually watching is scientist creates mutant super soldier son. Son is dying because of father's hubris. Father will do anything, including the serial murder and vivisection of countless girls to keep his son alive. Wait, is this the story? The answer lies in the most important quote in the episode. Walter, it's one of the inherent pitfalls in being a scientist, trying to maintain that distinction between God's domain and our own. Sometimes I forgot myself. And yeah, you you, you almost wonder whether that's part of Walter's problem, coping with not not only what he's done and what he's responsible for but then he carries it out into the world so so gail yeah uh, that's one of the great quotes in this episode and and again it just reinforces that idea of scientific responsibility at the moment the audience has that holy cow walter what did you do reaction i mean if serial murder doesn't seem to get that much of a rise out of walter what did he do for his own son peter Given the bizarre things happening, that seems to be the fallout of Walter's work. It means that Walter is not just Dr. Frankenstein. Walter is more like Dr. Frankenstein meets Darth Vader. We are watching this story, so buckle up. It's a ride and a half. Hunting for clues to this story is definitely more than half the fun in this show. Now, under her, did you notice rather than sheep, Walter counts Fibonacci numbers? Yes, I did notice that. Walter has problems with his memory that seem to go beyond what taking psychiatric medicine should cause. Walter assures Peter he's already endured whatever penance Peter believed he should suffer. So what happened to Walter that it affected his brain so badly? And, and, you know, like we said in the discussion, I think it's just being institutionalized for so long that that you just lose that human connection. We don't get the idea that St. Clair's really cares about its patient's well-being as much as it should bonding time there's clearly something wrong with the relationship between Walter and Peter Peter calls Walter by his name and never calls him dad but we see them start to bond in this episode Peter takes Walter out of the closet and of course there's that's a nice metaphor works with Walter to construct a do-it-yourself defibrillator and finally show some human kindness toward walter until next time gentlemen row 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 your boat gail Uh, gail great feedback and gail also provided something that has to go in the spoiler zone so i i certainly can't wait gail we look forward to feedback in the coming weeks um You want to do the grade now or go to spoiler zone and then the grade? Uh, Let's do the grade. Let's get out of the way. Um, Yeah, I'm going to – you know, A-
1: minus doesn't feel enough. You know, again, it's too early. I think we went A-plus in the first one, deservedly so. Yes. I think we should dial it back to A-minus on this one just so we have some wiggle room. I think there's going to be better episodes down the line that we don't want to – but we don't want to give them an A-plus – but we're going to think they're better than this one. Yes, of course. So, so I think it's solid A minus. I think that's a that's a good. You're still got an A, though. Of course, in Clarksville, that's not good enough. But well, you know. because you may not be the valedictorian, but right, <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's head to the
0: spoiler zone. If you spoiler have not, zone. if you have not seen the entire series, stop listening now, unless you want to be spoiled. then hey, that's that's up to you for me the main item in this uh, is of course when walter asks olivia sure about her knowledge of peter's medical history and of course he's wondering if peter's death
1: is in his file right because he knows which peter this is yeah well like he said it's like his his medical file like you mean the medical one that says he died at yeah. like age seven or whatever yeah, it was right. Yeah. Um yeah, absolutely. He he's consistent. so you know, my my question last week, you know, did they have an idea of where they were going with these characters? I think after this episode that's a definite yes. I mean, they absolutely um are are going there, right? I don't see how you could argue otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Well, especially like um you know, when Christopher is dying, he said he was blinded because he loved me. You know, he's talking about Penrose, but you know we obviously in the spoiler zone. We realize that well, that's completely what happened with Walter and Peter. Walter tears a rift between two worlds to get his son back because his son died, and he's he and his wife are so heartbroken. Right? Well, um, I mean, yes, and I no. see. I mean,
0: to me, as I remember, and and again, maybe I'm misremembering of course he was grief-stricken that his son died but his wife was positively apoplectic and yeah. i i think more than anything he went and got that other peter for his wife
1: yeah yeah I, I i agree i agree that that's how it shook out
0: and you know and part of that story you know once we get to it is that she she knows but she doesn't know. She knows, but she doesn't care. You know, I mean, it, yeah. it's like, which is fascinating in its own right, that, right. okay, it might not be my Peter, but it's damn
1: close enough. Right. And I think, but but ultimately, the fact that it's not her Peter, like she, you know, she commits suicide, right? And I think, I'm pretty sure that the, the main reason was because she just realized that even with this new Peter, it still wasn't her son. Right, um, right. And it's just such, such a, a freaking sad, tragic story. Like, you know, it really is. Like, some this this show gets really, really emotionally heavy down the line. You know, like really, if you're here in the spoiler zone, you know. So, um, it's just so much of that stuff we we see. Um, you know, like when Walter says how you know ninety percent of Caucasian babies have blue eyes at birth, they turns to Peter and said. Yours were green. Well, but that's not the—that's not Peter. That's not your Peter, Walter. You know, right? Like you don't know. You don't well, know. Right, you know, right? Probably and because he was the Peter of another world. But but you don't know the Peter well, whose green eyes you saw. That that child is dead. This yeah. is a Peter you grabbed from another world. We well,
0: and, and you know you mentioned how emotionally wrenching this whole situation is. Ordinarily, we would. Want to empathize with the parents that have had their child stolen from them, but Walternet? See, we get to use that
1: yeah uh, right phrase. We almost have a, to do season two just to say I know, that I know. and folivia Livia. And-
0: I mean, Walternet is such a bastard.
1: Yeah, yeah. That, but we understand almost- why. You know, like you're, you're right. Like because we just see him. Our first experience with him is just he's like the big bad, right? Yeah. And so it's and, hard to reconcile that the reason he is that is because Walter stole his son. Right. Exactly. And uh, it's very complex.
0: It's very very complex, complex emotional stuff. Yep. Um, oh, man. You know, I just want to like run off a whole bunch of these episodes at once, I, but I know. <laughs> it, it, it <laughs> makes podcasting more difficult than it already is because it's like well wait a minute that was in episode five and we're talking about three so yeah i'm gonna try to restrain myself i got plenty of other stuff to watch but before we conclude the spoiler zone gail in her feedback brings up the fact that that we do see the observer at the hospital and he is clear as day and i'm not sure how we both missed it I would just argue that we're so busy watching, taking notes that that we just missed it. And he also appears to be at that bar. And while we don't see his face in that scene, it's pretty clear it is the observer. So great catch, Gail. I took a screenshot of the hospital scene, but I'm loath to post it anywhere because I don't want to spoil it for people like Fred that, are watching fringe for the first time. But anyway, anything yeah. else you want to bring up in the spoiler zone?
1: No, I just, you know, like obviously like the, the plan that they had for this, cause the way this show goes, like it just goes, you know, completely off in a whole nother direction. When, once they discover the, the alternate world and uh, you know, it's, it's clear that they, they had that plan right, right from the start. So that's, it's kind of awesome to see that yes. in these early episodes. Yeah, and, and,
0: and the relationship between Broyles and Nina, you, you know, they're presenting it one way, and, you know, we'll see how that changes, but we, we don't have to go into yeah. detail on that sure. at this point. But, uh, all right, any final thoughts? Or are you ready to sign off and go
1: watch football or whatever? I think, yeah, the Washington football team versus the Eagles. That's a, yeah. that's a classic <laughs> matchup.
0: Yeah, uh, actually, I think we're going to watch the. Uh, the lucille ball movie that uh, just dropped on i don't know amazon or wherever it dropped hbo max maybe but okay
1: uh, yeah my wife wants to watch that so
0: well anyway that will do it for this episode of sci-fi tv rewatch thank you for joining us love to hear what you think about fringe foundation anything else going on in your genre tv world uh join the facebook group if you haven't already sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com is how you can reach us We'll be back next week to talk about season one, episode three of Fringe.
1: But until then, you know, it's just so funny, kind of like when I come down to podcast now, and I'm sitting in the basement where you know I think back to a year ago. This was where I was working; like I was down here pretty much all day, Um, and so it's it's just kind of it's kind of weird. It's nice that now I can actually go outside and be at work and see other people um and everything but uh you know it's kind of wild being down here but you know one of the things that i purchased last year was this nice little uh, space heater uh because you know it gets cold down here and you know space here really helps and you know the really best part about this space heater is that it warms your ass it's wonderful
0: i was wondering where you're headed with that one <laughs>